jump into it. One, two, three. Welcome. This is Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. I'm your host, Allison Yanez, and today I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-wrangler, although virtually, Jacob right. Murdoch. How are you, Jacob? Uh, I am doing well within the circumstances. We are trying our first ever recording remotely, which is been probably a little bit more uh a hair of a hair pulling experience than i think we hoped but hey here we are this is what we do now it's been god awful this is horrible you and i human human relations people we're not going to survive if we have to keep on relying on technology in this manner nope mm -mm. but anyway um we're really happy to have on a special guest today um, chef Steve Kessler, uh, co-owner and chef of May Street. Welcome, Steve. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being with us today, Steve. Oh, thank you. I'm excited about it. I think uh, it's important that we talk about home cooking in the times of COVID-19. Most definitely. Well, before we get into that, Steve, I would love to hear a little bit about your, your uh, still very new food truck operation, May Street. If you want to tell us a little bit about that, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, so May Street, uh, it's a celebration of Latin American culture. Uh, me and my partner, we take um, Latin American street food and apply all our knowledge into it with a little twist. So think about it's a street food with the right produce and the right uh, technique. So we put a lot of attention to detail in everything uh, we do. And we want to show our guests uh, how vibrant and why it's Latin American uh, food by connecting them with what we do on the truck. So um, I wanted to ask you a little because um, you're my roommate. We've been living together now. We've been in quarantine for two weeks. And in talking about May Street and talking about, you know, your methods in the kitchen and everything, one thing that's really jumped out to me is your passion um, and your relationship to Latin America. And you're, you're so proud of your Guatemalan heritage. I wanted to see if you could tell me a little bit about what your relationship is with the region and what you're trying to communicate with your food. Yeah, so... In the early stage of my career, you know, I wanted to, to cook everything. Like, I wanted to do sushi, pasta, curries. And, of course, that helped me to shape my skills and to acquire a lot of knowledge. Um, however, every time um, I cook with Latin American ingredients, I had a deep connection with what I was doing. So I started to feel the need to revisit my roots and embrace them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I grew up on Guatemala, uh, tortillas three times a day, so lunch, uh, breakfast, and dinner. And I grew up eating food that the Mayas inherited to us, like pepian, caquique, suanic, you know, just to mention 
a couple of my favorite uh, Mayan dishes. Yeah, you've made a couple of them for me, and they're delicious. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> so, you know, every time I cook uh, food from Guatemala, uh, I feel like my cooking has a purpose. You know, I feel like I'm communicating something. So I just want to showcase the food, uh, you know, that runs my DNA. So it was undeniable to me that um, I needed to put all my knowledge and on all these amazing flavors. So right now I'm more focused on Latin American food because of maize, but I'm also constantly uh, cooking Guatemalan food or Mesoamerican food for future projects. Mm -hmm. It's been really incredible talking to you about that because I recently got back from Yucatan. Um, last year I went to Chiapas and I too have been learning about our Mayan heritage. So it's really interesting to go about learning about our culture through how you're, what you're trying to communicate through your food and everything. So I really appreciate that. So, Steve, I'm curious, because um, I know, you know, uh, I think the first time I met you is you were working at a different restaurant. So can you talk a little bit about um, some of the differences now, uh, you know, focusing primarily on Latin American food as opposed to some of your previous experience here in Las Vegas and the types of foods you were cooking or preparing? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I, I met you when I was working at EDO Tapas. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been cooking in restaurants like uh, Bazaar Meat by Jose Andres, Bouchon by Thomas Keller, uh, Idio Tapas, you know, all of those restaurants uh, are great, but uh, they don't do uh, Latin American food. So the big difference for me right now is that everything comes more natural and easy. Uh, when I want to develop a recipe or you know, it gets me more uh, excited about cooking. And of course, I can do whatever I want, you know. So versus when you're working for somebody else, you have a lot of uh, limitations on what you can do, what you can do, and also how much can you spend and things, things like that, you know. So, yeah, I think it's just, uh, that's the big difference, you know. It's more natural and... When I think of a dish, I think immediately on Latin American ingredients or Latin American food. As let's say when I was working for Chef Jose, I had to think more about, I have to do dishes uh, kind of like Spanish dishes with a twist, you know? So, you know, I did pretty good everywhere uh, I was working, but definitely right now it's easier and I can see uh, the food with more flavor, more, more punch. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to try May Street. I know I've not had it yet. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As soon as all this goes back to normal, please come to the truck and I want to have you a feast ready. So, so you can enjoy all the food. Yeah, so I think I had this conversation with both Jacob and with Steve. We were talking about what restaurants we were excited to go to after this damn quarantine ends. Hopefully, um, you know, it, get, it, it ends relatively soon. And one of our must-haves, for sure for Jacob and myself and the entire Wildland Free crew, is to go check out Maze. We are also talking about Elio, right? Enrique Olvero's. Oh, yeah. 
Elio. Um, Jacob, what are you excited about checking out after this thing is over? <laughs> I think I'm just excited uh, to sit down in a restaurant with people and yeah. eat and talk and, and have drinks. Um, I think that's probably what I'm most excited about. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think maize, maize is definitely the, uh, the food that I'm most excited to eat that I haven't had before. Um, but I know uh, when we were doing research on our Chinatown episode, there were some restaurants in Chinatown that I just haven't been to before that I'm like, I really want to go try them now. Mm -hmm. I don't have the chance to do it. And I'm looking forward to doing some more food exploration in Chinatown once uh, once this is all over. I'm excited yeah. about that for sure. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. But anyway, um, let's get let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, today, we decided to have on Steve to talk about um, grocery shopping, building your pantry and composing dishes for both home uh, for home cooks, right? Both amateurs and advanced cooks. So um, I just wanted to see if you could give us a a couple ideas, Steve, before we get into the, the produce portion of it, do you have any must-haves or kitchen tool investments that would be useful to use during these times? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of tools that you should have at home right now. Um, it doesn't matter if you're like an amateur cook or more skilled cook. Uh, these are tools that are gonna help you at all times. Cheap tools, fun tools to use in the kitchen. And well, I think the first one, you should have a food saver right now. You know, a food uh -huh. saver is gonna save you a lot of money. It's gonna help you to keep your leftovers fresh. And definitely with $50, you can buy one. So it's very affordable mm -hmm. and you, you will love it. It's pretty cool thing to have in okay. the kitchen. I used uh, to have a food saver and I absolutely adored it, but I lost it in a divorce. Uh, <laughs> prenup. Next time we sign a prenup and we make yeah. sure that we sure. keep the, the um, what do you call it? What the heck is the name of the thing? Food saver. Food saver, yeah. yeah you're what doing else? right. <laughs> yeah. So the second one, I think uh, multipod. Multipot is a really good tool because you can basically do whatever you want with it. You can sear meats, you can braise meats, you can use it as a rice cooker, you can do everything with just one pot. So, you know, mm -hmm. you have seen how many dishes I use to yeah, cook one thing. I have. With a, with a multipot, use just one, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you can you can go from there. Okay. Yeah, and also it's very cheap. I mean, of course, there is uh, a lot of different prices, but a basic one, you can buy it for $40 or so. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's going to last you maybe three years, $40 investment for three years. I think uh, it's pretty good. Okay. Do you have anything for beverages? Beverages? Oh, maybe I'll say a juicer. Yeah, mm -hmm. a juicer. Uh, juicer is really fun too, really cool. You can do all types of juices, you know, and of course you can drink it uh, just like that with ice, but you can use all your juices to make sauces, to make desserts, to make ice creams, to make, uh, you know, dressings. So yeah, definitely a juicer. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, my last one should be a charcoal grill. Okay. 
the cheap tool to, to buy, the one I have at home, it was $40. And it's the easiest one to, to use, you know? You only need charcoal. Uh, if you don't know how to light up a fire, you just put some liquid, instant liquid fire, uh-huh. and throw a match in there. 20 minutes later, you have your coals ready to go. Plus, like the way, um, at least the good thing about um, Las Vegas and Nevada, the weather is relatively nice. A lot of people live at homes and have backyards. So, this is a quick way to escape the craziness in your house and um, have some time with some nice steaks right outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the difference between cooking a steak on a pan on the stove to cooking it in a charcoal grill, it's like life changing experience. Yeah. You know? Excellent, excellent. Flavor, everything. So I do really encourage you, uh, all of you, you know, to just go and buy a charcoal grill and just try it out. You're going to love it. Cool. I'm a huge fan of charcoal cooking. That's for sure. <laughs> so, Steve, I, um, I grew up in a household where there wasn't uh, a ton of cooking going on with both of my parents working. So, you know, one of the things that I always worry about is what are things that I, what other foods or staples I should have in my pantry so that I'm, you know, ready for a variety of different recipes? Yeah, when I think about about this, I think about two different crowds. I think about uh, the amateur cook or the people that don't know how to cook, that don't like to cook, but they have to in these times, you know? And then I think more of uh, an adventurous cooks, cooks with more skills. So let's say for an amateur cook, I can tell, I I can recommend like you can buy beans, stocks already made, uh, tomato sauce, lentils, chickpeas, uh, corn, tuna, spam, for example. All those are ingredients that you can buy in a can and have them ready to do any basic preparation. However, if you're more a skilled cook or you know how to cook a little bit or you know the basics of cooking, you should buy all these things but fresh, you know, buy all your grains like make them from scratch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can buy your beans fresh. You can buy rice also. Like... um there's a lot of different uh, types of rice, you know? Yeah. You can buy like eight different types of rice and just play and cook in the kitchen. If you have more skills, buy flour. You can do your own pasta. You can do bread. You can do your flour tortillas. What? I and make my own pasta? Yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> um, it's, it's easy. It's not that hard, you know? Uh-huh. Actually, I encourage you, if you like uh, to, to make pasta, look for a recipe. Mm-hmm. It's called a 20-yield uh, pasta recipe. Okay. Uh, just for reference, the homemade pasta that we have at an Italian restaurant in town, like Rayo's, mm-hmm. how many yolks does that, that does that pasta use? Probably four to seven. Holy cow. So this is exponentially much richer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. All the fat from the yolk. So we're gonna make it like super creamy, and it's it's something very very different. We should we should set Jacob. We should up set up a Zoom call where everybody on their in their own kitchen. We you should lead a class for us, and we should all learn simultaneously, right? Oh my gosh, that sounds like a great idea. 
Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's do that. Cool, cool, cool. Um, sorry, I interrupted. What else? Oh, so I think that's kind of like uh, the basics when you talk about grains or canned food. Then if we talk about fruits and vegetables, um, I think there is no rules on what you can buy. Mm -hmm. Basically, tomatoes, onions, carrots, potatoes, uh, I'll say cucumbers, bell peppers, those are ingredients that you want to have in your your fridge at all times. Those are ingredients uh, to start uh, doing uh, basic preparations, you know? And that goes for amateur cooks, adventurous cooks. Um, of course, there is uh, things like, uh, you know, uh, hot sauce, vinegar, salt, pepper, olive oil, all those things that you're going to use to season your food. But that is more like the flavor profile that, that you want to put in your food, you know? Mm-hmm. And then for the meats, if you're like an amateur cook, um, I think you can play with the basics, maybe chicken, bacon, shrimp. Mm-hmm. As if you're more of an adventurous cook, maybe you can go more of like for pork shoulder, pork belly, uh, buy a piece of uh, fresh fish, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of like try more adventurous things. Okay, already. Right. And Steve, most of the things, I mean, pretty much all of what you've mentioned. Um, is pretty easy to find in the store. Um, I know that there have been, you know, some people that have uh, been hoarding some of these items, but, you know, they're, they're staples that also, I mean, I think people don't realize how far a bag of rice or a bag of beans can go, um, you know, because rice, you know, rice, obviously, you get a bag of rice that can last an individual like me, you know, probably two weeks, just a regular bag of rice, uh, because, I'm, you know, one person. So I think it's important too for, for our listeners to know that you don't need to, you know, buy a ton of this stuff um, that you can, you know, get by with, with just, you know, understanding how many people in your household you can get by and not to hoard these things. But then also, you know, finding them at the grocery store right now may be tough, but I think we've all seen them at different stores. You may just need to go somewhere you're not used to going to purchase some of these things. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we've all we've gone to the grocery um, in this house household like once a week. And overall, right, we've been able to find pretty much everything. People are walking about in an orderly fashion. There's a bunch of fresh produce and um, not as much, not a great selection of meats, but there's enough stuff so that you don't have to hoard. You can buy for like, you know, one or for one week or so. And there's no need to hoard. Yeah, I think. uh we're not going to run out of food, you know. Uh, markets are going to stop uh, all the time. Yeah. And yeah, you should buy things like just just for a week, you know, and or maybe two weeks. But yeah. even if it's for two weeks, you don't need to to buy like I don't know twenty pounds of rice, you know, mm-hmm. or yeah. flour. So yeah, just just buy whatever you need for a week and then go again to the market. And like I read, I read an article that said, I think it was like in Bon Appetit where they were like, you know, buy stuff that you already, that you already cook or that you already eat, right? Like this is not the time to be like, I'm going to try like this really exotic or like, you know, um, some exotic food or this weird canned shit that you don't normally eat, right? 
yeah. overall. Yeah. Yeah. Stay to your basics and, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you buy meats, for example, you can freeze them. So meats in the freezer are going to go good for a couple months. But, I mean, you're not going to buy 20 pounds of tomatoes, you know, because right. it's going to... It's going to go back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let me ask you, Steve. I went grocery shopping at my local Albertsons or Trader Joe's, and I get home, and I'm unloading everything. I disinfected everything, and um, I'm looking at all the items that I bought. And, you know, I'm thinking, <clears throat> how do I go about composing a dish? Okay, so I think there is, mm, let's say, four basic things that everybody uh, those at home, mm -hmm. uh, I think salads, soups, aside, and meat, you know, so those four things, we often see it on the table. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about salads. Okay. I think uh, for me, uh, salads, I don't eat them too much, <laughs> but uh, every time I eat them, or I make him, I try to put four components. Okay, what components? So for me, salad, salads, it's about the right uh, choice of greens. Uh, you need to have a nut in there. For me, it's kind of like cashews, maybe, you know? Uh -huh. um, a fruit to give, give some sweetness. Uh -huh. And cheese. Oh, can I interrupt? So the juicer mm -hmm. that we that you recommended we buy, we can make some juice and we can like reduce it and toss it in the salad, yeah? Yeah, yeah. you can make a vinaigrette, a dressing with the juice, and then just use it mm -hmm. for, for your salad. Nice. So with those four components, I think uh, you, you can start making a, a good salad, you know? Uh, those are my four components. Mm -hmm. Just feel free to come up with your or components and kind of like start playing and start just open up your pantry, you know? Okay, I have some almonds, I have like Gruyere cheese uh, and, and so on. Mm -hmm. Then uh, soups. Soups, uh, um, very easy to do, especially if you buy uh, your stocks already made. All you need is uh, a good stock, uh, a protein, uh, maybe a couple veggies or greens and then toppings. To me, soups are about the toppings that you put at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, I, me being Hispanic, we always uh, put on our soups, like at the end, we put some avocado, some tortilla chips, some uh, fresh cheese, uh, some herbs, cilantro, lime juice. So that at the end, like, gives it all, all the the flavor, you know, the, the final touch. Uh-huh. And then we can talk about sides. Yeah. Sides are like, the, the the choices are endless. There's so many things you can do for sides. Um, I grew up eating beans, rice, fried uh, plantains, potatoes. So those will be my to-go for, you know. Uh, beans every time and rice, it's like one of my favorite things to eat. So, yeah, that is more just like, what do you want to eat today? You know, you feel more like vegetables, you want to do more like greens. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Okie dokie. And 
Then meats. Uh, I think uh, when it comes to, to meats, the best way to go is you do it on the grill or you braise your meats. Okay. So can you tell me, can you clarify what, what braise is? So braise is it's basically to cook a piece of meat with any liquid agent mm -hmm. uh, for a long time at a low temperature. Okay, so like water the, or stock. Yeah, you can use water, you can use stocks, you can use uh, wine, you can use whatever liquid you wanna you wanna use, or you, you can mix. Can it be booze? Yes. Oof. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> it can be wrong. I, I used to. Well, every time I braise meats, I like to put a little bit of uh, watermelon rum on it because we have really good rum or beer. And of course, you don't want that to be your main component on the liquid agent, but use it as a seasoning. So let's say you need two gallons of liquid. Uh, you should do like two gallons of chicken stock and half a cup of rum, for example, mm -hmm. just to give you an idea. Okay. You know, don't spend four bottles of rum <laughs> to braise something you got to have something to drink while you're cooking right so so steve i have a question so mine's a little bit more specific so you know i cook a little bit but so you know without since i'm staying at home more and i'm not eating out i like a really spicy soup but i'm not sure how to make a spicy soup what would you recommend for me uh, you know as a amateur home cook as far as like trying to find a way to spicy you know make a soup that's spicy but not you know not overpowering i don't want to i don't want to just load it with you know red pepper flakes or cayenne pepper i really want something that's you know what i'd more similar to what i'd find in a restaurant yeah uh -huh. i think when you um want to go for like a spicy seasoning uh use fresh chilies don't use cayenne pepper. Don't use, uh, you know, uh, powders. Don't use Valentina, okay. for sure. Like, I like Tabasco, for example, but I use it just kind of like at the end, just to give it a touch of vinegar. Because uh -huh. Tabasco, Valentina, and all those uh, sauces is not about the heat. It's more about the acidity, for me. Uh -huh. That's the way I feel it. Okay. You know? okay. So I'll say when you're making your, your soup, just throw some serranos on it or Thai chilies. You can buy them in every Asian market. Thai chilies are very, very hot peppers. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you will feel it every time you have it in your mouth, but it's going to disappear uh, also at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not like those chilies that's going to burn your mouth and it's going to, you know, make you sweat and cry. Okay. So I'll say put some fresh chilies in it and maybe uh, grab like two cups of the soup, blend the chilies, and you're going to get more, more heat. Oh my just, gosh. That yeah. sounds amazing. And as you know, like I said, I'm an I'm an amateur cook. I don't I don't cook a lot. I don't haven't been cooking a long time. I would have never even. It sounds silly, but I would have never yeah. even thought about using fresh chilies 
Mm -hmm. I've always ever just used cooking. I've used powder. I mean, I'll occasionally use like a jalapeno and, and like a chili if I'm making a chili, but I've never thought about using like fresh chilies for soups. Never something that I even would have thought of. Yeah, try it next time. Yeah, you're gonna love it. I mean, there's a, a lot of different uh, fresh chilies that you can buy on the market. Uh, Asian markets, Hispanic markets, they have like the most variety on, on fresh uh, chilies. Well, and another way, so that's like one one idea for a preparation and a way to make it more sweet and sour. Um, it occurs to me that you could toss in some coconut milk, yes, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh -huh. We're going more like a Thai food type of flavor. Yeah. Right uh -huh. So yeah, coconut uh, milk, it's going to bring that uh, sweet and sour in soup. Mm -hmm. uh, it's delicious. I, I, I love them. Yeah, some shrimp, uh, shrimp uh, paste, chilies, coconut, a really good stock, uh, some lemongrass, ginger, galanga, if you can find, find uh, galanga. And then you have a- What's galanga? Galanga, it's something similar to ginger, but with a different flavor profile. Oh. Very fragrant, yeah. Nice. Yeah, you, you, should, you should try it too. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find it in the market mm -hmm. next time. I'll bring you some so you can try it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, Steve, that brings up a good question for me. So, you know, I rely heavily on recipes. So what are your thoughts on, you know, either learning recipes or different cooking preparations? And, you know, what would you suggest for, you know, amateur cooks like me as far as how we should approach that? Um, when maybe we're also, you know, in this time, maybe we don't have all the ingredients. What would you recommend? Such a good question. <laughs> yeah, so I don't like to give recipes to people. You know, you, you, you'll be surprised how many requests I have from friends and family asking for recipes. And to me, if I give you a recipe, I'm kind of like telling you what to do. I'm not giving you any room or freedom to, um, to you know. Be adventurous. Be adventurous, be creative, and to put your own thoughts on the food. So whenever people come and ask me for recipes, I'll, I'll go more like, I'm not going to give you a recipe, but I can give you an advice. I can give you guidelines. And let's talk about it. What do you want to do? You know, what, what do you want to do at home? And then we'll take it from there and we can build flavors and we can build ideas and then you should go and cook at home. Mm -hmm. Sounds really good. Okay. Yeah. So we've actually, we've had that conversation over here during the quarantine days. And one thing that um, I really learned while I've been helping out in the kitchen and mostly washing dishes, but a little bit of helping out. And what I think is really great about you, Steve, you're a great mentor because he's taught me kind of how to use all of my senses, right? You're very much about being intuitive, looking at the dish. Can you talk about how you use your senses and how to, how to like trust what your body is telling you and what you see and what you smell? Yeah, a lot of uh, the cooking process is uh, intuition, you know? Unless you're making a cake or you're making uh, like a pie or like muffins, then you need a recipe. And then you need to follow steps and you need to follow 
amounts, you know? But with savory cooking, it's more like taste, you know? Mm -hmm. Taste every single time. I mean, uh, I think when I'm doing a new dish or when I'm doing a dish that already exists, I try it at least, I don't want to exaggerate, but maybe 10 to 15 times. Oh, wow. Before <laughs> I say, okay, it's done. Uh-huh. And you know, that's, that's a big thing because I've seen so many cooks or chefs that they try it one time, they think, oh, it needs acidity. And they add like lemon juice and they think it's done. Mm-hmm. You know? No, no, it is not done. It's done until it tastes right and until you feel that you don't need to add anything to it. You know, mm-hmm. so that's key, super key. Taste, taste, and taste. That's why you often see chefs saying, uh, when it's time to eat, like, no, I'm already full. You know, uh-huh. no, I don't want to eat. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not hungry anymore. It's because we taste all the time. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's just taste. And also, you can use your ears uh, by sight, too. I was telling Allison, uh, my partner told me once that he, he worked with a really uh, famous chef. Mm-hmm. And they were cooking one time. And the chef said something like, whenever you feel that the veggies are kind of like releasing those aromas and you see them and you want to eat them right Mm -hmm. there, at that point, it's when you're ready to go to the next step of the recipe, you know? So let's say you're sauteing some onions. You go with your onions and there's going to be a moment where you take a look at them and you want to eat them, you know, and you feel like, oh my God, this looks really good or it smells delicious. And right there at that moment, it's like, okay, next step, you know, you know your onions are ready. So until you don't have those kind of like feelings in the kitchen. It sounds very instinctual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah, use all your senses, you know, and taste. That's the main thing. And to be clear, because here on the podcast, we are anti-snobbery. We think that you don't have to be an art connoisseur, a food connoisseur to a gallery or to go to a fine dining restaurant. And to be clear, you are a chef. And going back to what you said earlier about trusting your instinct, it's your instinct, right? Whoever the hell is cooking, trust yours. Like, it, like you're not holding yourself to the chef's standard. You are preparing your food for yourself and for your yeah. loved ones. So it is whatever you think tastes good. Do what works for you, right? Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. And not being afraid of the ingredients. Right. No, just go for it. And, you know, uh, worst thing can happen when, when you're making a recipe it's like, oh my God, uh, it's too salty, you know, or uh, I overcooked the meat and nothing happens, you know. Literally just, nothing happens. Yeah, nothing happens. You just make it again or just eat it like that and learn from your mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and every time you cook something, you're just getting better. And even chefs, how many times do you are you ta- are you um, testing out your recipes? Right? How many times? It takes you what twenty yeah. times? Yeah. Sometimes at the first time you get it, but also yeah. 
and that's, we don't hear about that um, when we go to restaurants, obviously we're getting the final product, but behind the house, all of the mm -hmm. operations, you guys put a lot of effort into tasting and tasting yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's times where you're going to come up with a recipe and the time you make it, everybody goes crazy with it, you know, and oh my God, this is really good. This is going to the menu. Uh, but there is other times where you have to do the dish at least 20 times before it's ready to hit the tables. You know? Right. Because, I mean, it's just like that. It's uh, a lot of uh, try and error, you know. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, yeah, I think, like, like I said, I don't like to, to give recipes to people, but let's say, Jacob, you said you're kind of like an amateur cook, right? Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Well, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, you used to smoke meat, Jacob. Yes, oh I definitely, I mean, I was, I did smoke meat, but as far as, like, cooking other stuff in my kitchen, I'm still very much an amateur. I mean... Like, smoking meat is, is a whole different, I feel, a whole different skill set uh, as far as, like, I maybe it's just a confidence thing. I felt confident about my meat smoking abilities, not so much in the kitchen sometimes, most of the time. You know, that's a great uh, skill to have. I yeah. lived in Austin, Texas for a couple of years, and Austin, it's all about smoked meats, you know? Oh, yeah, and, most definitely. Yeah. I, I develop a lot of love for smoked meats back in Austin. I don't do that at home. I don't have a lot of knowledge on it, but I can tell you it's delicious and I love it. So yeah, that's, that, that's, that's cool. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, let's say, okay, you're an amateur. Think about, I want to mention you a couple of uh, preparations that you should try at home. Uh, being an amateur cook, things that I like. <laughs> Newbie. <laughs> yeah. Things that I uh, like to eat, and things that I don't know. I just love the flavor profile. So let's think about a tuna tostada. This is a thing that I like to to do at home uh, when I feel lazy, you know, and I don't want to uh, do a lot of preparations. It's something. Uh, easy to do. I mean, you can buy your shells already fried, or you can buy tortillas and fry them at home. Super easy. And then tuna, of course, we're talking about canned tuna. Uh -huh. Because, yeah, uh, fresh tuna might be one of the best ingredients uh -huh. ever, but we're talking about COVID-19, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk. Let's adjust expectations. Yeah, uh, you're always going to find a can of tuna in the markets. So let's say, just tell me, like, how, I mean, how do you like, like, your your tuna? You go more for, like, creamy dressing, citrus. What, what should be, will be your flavor profile? For me, for tuna, I do prefer, it's one of the few uh, seafoods that I regularly eat. So um, I, I prefer creamy, but I'm definitely interested in exploring more options. But let's go with creamy since that's typically how I've made tuna. Actually, to me, it's creamy too. So, okay, creamy, let's take the easiest uh, creamy 
but we can get uh, mayonnaise. Yeah. So now you can build a dressing. You know, you have mayonnaise. I, I want some heat on it. I will put a rocotto chiles on it, which is uh, like a Peruvian chili that is uh, really good. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find it in every Hispanic market too. So we have mayonnaise, we have rocotto chiles, of course, limes, a lot of limes and salt. And just right there, you know, you have the basics on how to make a creamy dressing. Then you can, for future occasions, you can change the chili and build, I don't know, a lot of different creamy uh, recipes. You know, you can add some buttermilk to it. Kind of like to go for more like a ranch type of dressing. Oh, is that what you would have come? I yeah. did you know that? Me? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nor did I. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so you know, uh, things like that. Then think about what goes well with tuna. Give me like two or three vegetables that you think will go good with the mayonnaise, the heat, and the tuna. Uh Big corns, carrot, and peas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those <laughs> yeah. are good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can give me two, Jacob. I would say uh, I like celery with my tuna, um, and then mm, maybe even like a. Oh gosh. I mean, I when I eat like. Like tuna on a salad, I usually have like kale or something as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it just made me think about a tostada that we have back home where we put the tostada and then we put a lot of lettuce on it, and then on top we put a pico uh, meats. So, yeah, you can have your shell, you can have kale, and you can have on top a uh, tuna tostada, mm -hmm. you know. So, that's like one example right there that you know it's just about think what you like your flavor profile and right now we just have like a tomato style you know mm -hmm. just thinking basic basic uh things in the kitchen you know we we, we didn't go crazy with it um and then let's talk about um I don't know what else you can do, like a salad, maybe. Uh, I mean, we already did like a tomato salad, maybe more like a soup. Oh, uh -huh. we already talked about soup. Yeah. <laughs> you gave us yeah. a lot of options. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about more adventurous foods. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, here I like to throw more like a challenges, you know, mm -hmm. for, for the people that are listening and have skills in the kitchen. Uh, I'll say, have you ever made your own fresh tortillas? You know, tortillas is something that you can buy on the market all the time, fresh tortillas and good tortillas. So nobody thinks about, I want to I wanna do uh, fresh tortillas. So. Jacob, have you ever made tortillas? Uh, I've never, I've made, I've helped uh, our, our podcast friend uh, B make Salvadorian tortillas, but I've never made like homemade Mexican tortillas or Mexican style tortillas. No. Well, you're just in luck. We're gonna give you the challenge. Yeah. Excellent. Super easy to do. Two ingredients, and it's way different, you know. And once you have your tortillas, make some tacos. Um, one more challenge. Uh, a good challenge is uh, try to do cheese at home. You know, sounds very intimidating. 
dating, but you only need milk, uh, vinegar, or lemon juice, and that's it. Some patience. Oh, wow. You gotta <laughs> do some research. Of course, I'm not giving the recipes, but if you do a little research, you are going to find like really good, uh, delicious recipes on ricotta cheese, and you will be surprised how easy it's to make it. You know, so I think on the adventurous cooks, I don't think most of you have done cheese at home. So, you know, it's a really good challenge. You do your own tortillas from scratch, you do your own cheese, and try to do the 20 yolk uh, pasta recipe. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds, those all sound delightful. Yeah. No, so, I mean, so the common theme here is, you know, I push yourself, allow yourself to be adventurous. Don't be intimidated. This is not rocket science. This is not uh, brain surgery, right? And just um, push yourself and try new ingredients and toss together things to see if they work, right? Yes. In short. Um, Steve, do you have like uh, a hack or a tip about how people can elevate their home cooking? Yeah, I think people or cooks, uh, we need to understand salt. Salt. Salt is everything, you know? Salt will make your cooking on a different level. When you understand salt and you really know how to season properly uh your food is gonna start like being more delicious you know and you're you're gonna feel it so i want to say just don't be afraid of salt every time you add salt you need to taste because like i was saying uh, i've seen a lot of cooks and chefs that add salt and they think oh yeah it's done you needed more salt i added a little bit and now it's done no, it's not done, you know? Keep adding salt, add more salt, add more salt. I developed a sense where I know when the dish is going to get salty. And for me, that's the, the perfect um, the perfect time to, you know, stop seasoning. Right. So, yeah, just try, 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 and think about, salt at all times whatever you're doing it's all about the salt yes you have the most amazing piece of salmon you have the most amazing uh rice that you bought from japan and you know you have your truffles you have whatever it is if you don't understand salt and you don't season your things properly it's not gonna taste good mm-hmm. that's a so, good that's a good tip yeah most definitely and i think that's something Particularly, I I don't want to make a judgment about uh, many of my fellow um, American-born people, <laughs> but we we are not we we struggle with that whole idea of seasoning and how to season right or correctly. So um, I think that's a really good tip. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but also I would say Americans love going to Outback Steakhouse and like how many cups of sugar or of cups of salt does like the blooming onion, which we have to make, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I feel like a home cook is never going to salt it to the level that you would if you were to eat out. Also, that's Australian, Allison. Just kidding. (laughs) 
<laughs> fair, 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 fair. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the, the challenge right there, you know, like, uh, just keep adding salt until you feel it has like a restaurant uh, profile. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. good tip. Perfect. So the last question that I have, um, since Steve, Allison and I have already answered this question, um, well, we've answered it in the form of where we can't wait to go uh, after this is all over. But if you want to talk to us about a couple of your favorite local eating or drinking spots, and it can be drinking anything, drinking alcohol, coffee, uh, what are some of the local spots that you like to go to? Okay, so I think, well, my favorite bar here in Vegas, it's a Velveteen Rabbit. Mm -hmm. uh, every time I go there, it's like I can drink the whole menu. <laughs> Your yeah. wife and I frequently do that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, actually, you guys introduced me to that bar. Yay! Um, yeah. Shout out to our lovely Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Betsy. Um, I think they're very talented. Uh, mm -hmm. they are doing something really good in the city, and I don't know. Yeah. You don't get to, to see too often these type of bars where, you know, they develop seasonal uh, cocktails and, you know, you can go like, you go today, but then you go three months later and there is going to be a whole new menu, you know, versus the other bars where you go and there's always all the classics and there's nothing new. Mm -hmm. so. Plus, I feel like Pamela and Christina really understand food. Right. Like I, I feel like some of the stuff that that I drink in cocktail form could very well be a dish. Yeah, yeah. Right. I use a lot of things like olive oil, pepper, rosemary and these things. Mm -hmm. I, I did a pop up with my partner at the Velvet and Rabbit. I think it was last year. Yeah. And they were so excited about it. And we kind of like match uh, their drinks with our food. And it, it was amazing. <sighs> that sounds yeah. so beautiful. We, we need to really do does. Yeah. 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 I think that's my favorite bar. And then restaurants, I mean, uh, it, that's a very more complicated answer because uh, there's a lot of places that I really like. Uh, if we talk about off the street, mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll go more for Asian restaurants like uh, Raku, for example. I think that's 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 my favorite. Oh actually. my gosh, oh my gosh. Let me tell you, <laughs> recently it was one of the last restaurants I went to before the quarantine and you guys, they've expanded. Have you been to it? They have a backyard section. I mean, it's covered, it's indoors. What? Dude, it is incredible. They have like picnic tables but they're Japanese so they're like the most gorgeous picnic tables wow. on the planet they have like the entrance to this section is like these big pillars of like this beautiful it, it's kind of like pink Himalayan salt mm -hmm. so it gives off this beautiful glowy warm um light and they have these beautiful bonsai trees and these lights strung up so it's just fucking incredible man yeah, so I think uh, uh, Raku, maybe, and then, you know, I have a couple taquerias that I love to go. Mm -hmm. um, Do tell. Tacos El Gordo. Alison hates it. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, okay. Yeah. Here we respect other people's culinary yeah. decisions. This is the thing. Every time you go there, uh, it's consistent. 
you know? Yeah. It's always the same produce. It's always the same seasoning. The sauces taste the same all the time. And, you know, I mean, you can go for a snack and just have, like, one, two tacos, or you can go for a dinner and have, like, six tacos. You realize that that's the argument that gringos use to go to McDonald's all over the world, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 My gringo well, here knows. <laughs> yeah. How about you? You like uh, tacos or gringos, Jacob? I do. I would say it's not my favorite of the taco places, but I mean, I, I enjoy Tacos El Gordo um, frequently because I also work downtown. Uh, I will go to Tacos Mexico right next door for lunch. Um, part of it is, is because the line's never as long. By the way, I'm talking about Tacos El Pastor here. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm talking about Tacos El Pastor because if we talk about uh, birria tacos or, you know, carnitas, and I mean, there's other places, but okay. um, Tacos El Pastor, yeah, I love them. It's really good. So I think, yeah, maybe Tacos El Pastor, those are the, the, my two favorite uh, to-go places, mm-hmm. you know, when I don't want to do research or I don't want to think about, oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I have an idea of what we all need to do. After this is all over, we need to do a taco crawl. And we go (laughs) to different taco places to try their best taco. So Tacos El Gordo will have El Pastor, and then we'll go to another one that specializes in birria, carne asada, etc. So this is, it'll be a whole day adventure. We'll, We'll have to make it a podcast outing and just, just fill ourselves full of tacos all over town. This is what I want to do. Yeah, and I mean, Jacob is an honorary Salvadoran, too. So, you know, he knows his Latin American, he knows his Central American cuisine, at least. Yeah? Thank you. Yes. I mean, I have had a lot of Salvadorian food in my time. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. I'm down for it. Can't wait. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that sounds awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Um, we greatly appreciate it. I know that you, uh, you know, you and your wife, your lovely wife, Betsy, have been spending a lot of time with our dear Allison over the last couple weeks. Um, but again, you know, we appreciate you giving our listeners some great tips on cooking during the time of COVID-19. And of course, they're great tips that we can all use, um, you know, always because it's always better to know how to cook at home and maybe maybe that's one positive change we'll see is that people are willing to be more experimental with their food at home after this um although i'm sure here in las vegas as soon as we're all able to all of us are going to be going to eat out because we're all ready to have our restaurant fix after this yeah that that's a good point i'd like to close with that as well um definitely encourage our listeners to be adventurous and trust their instincts in the kitchen but once we're able to please go out and support local businesses our economy largely depends on them um it's not 100% correct that we depend on the strip. It's like local mom and pop shops and restaurateurs that are being affected. And so I know on my end, I've been trying to purchase gift cards from places. You, Jacob, received one that I sent you. From Maze, I can't wait to use it. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, and if there's restaurateurs that are listening, maybe that, you know, consider that an option. If you're not doing the uh, curbside or delivery, stuff like definitely offer the option for gift cards because there's people in the community that love you and want to support you and want you to stay around after this madness is over 
Yeah, I've noticed a couple of my favorite local places, um, particularly because there's two local coffee shops that I really like. Neither of them are offering gift cards. So I reached out to one of them, haven't heard back, but I want to make sure that I, you know, they stay open because they're they're two of my favorite hangout places in Las Vegas. And, you know, I want to make sure that they come back. So as soon as they're back open, I know I will be going to both of them and, uh, you know, making sure that I probably buy more coffee than any person needs to drink. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to no take it for the team. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. All right. Well, this has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast, our first ever remote edition. Um, I am Jacob, along with my wonderful co-wrangler. Allison. <laughs> and Allison, who is our team as always? Our team is comprised by our producer, Jose Sotelo, creative direction by Berta Gutierrez, research assistant, Ashley Pacheco. We got the dog of the den of descent, Raven, our little baby. And there's a new member in the family, dude. Um, over here, we have a turtle. What? A turtle? Yeah, I've not told you this little delightful story. No. Uh, tell me the turtle's name. So, <laughs> uh, it's uh, Freddy. Actually, it's a long name. It's a long name, but we, we call him Freddy. And it's a turtle that my wife uh, rescued. And when she brought it uh, home, it was like this tiny turtle that, you know, it was maybe two inches, mm -hmm. you know, long. And he was pale. Yeah, he was pale, like all white. All the shell was all white because, I don't know, I, I think... Uh, he wasn't or she wasn't eating yeah. the right food. And then right now it's just like so big, mm -hmm. you know, you have to uh, take it with your both hands every time we take it out of the pond. So yeah, I used to mm -hmm. have the turtle here at home and see all the process, uh, like from a tiny turtle to a turtle that we cannot handle anymore. Actually, we need to, to build a bigger pond. Uh, that's, that'll be an interesting project. Well, from the Wild and Free crew, I welcome Fredo Salmonello <laughs> to the crew. Excellent. So, Allison, get a picture of him so we can put him on our social media. For sure. For sure. We will. All right. Well, thank you all. You all take care of yourselves and uh, giddy up. Stay safe and healthy. Giddy up. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob. Stay healthy and safe. Thank you. You all too.